guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that we hope will will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. I'm Krista, and I am here with my birthday boy husband, Zach. Yay. Yay. We're recording on his birthday. That's either really awesome or really depressing. (laughs) (laughs) But we are excited to be here again for another week. So... We, in full admission, um, so if you've listened to the last couple of episodes, Krista said we shouldn't talk about Disneyland because that's all we've talked about. But how can you not talk about Disneyland because it is the happiest place on earth? And we just got back from our Disneyland trip this week. And uh, when we left last week, we said, this will be great. On our car ride home, we'll just plan our next podcast episode and we'll talk about it and then we'll be all set to record it when we get home. And if you've ever been to Disneyland with small kids... um, you know that that was probably the most naive thought we had because we were dead on our ride home. The trip was awesome. Disneyland was a blast. It was so much fun. So we did not study. And uh, so we're diving in this week. We are just diving in fresh with you. We've got some questions and some things we want to look at. And so this could be really raw and it could be a mistake, um, but we're going to record for a half hour and then we're going to be done and we're going to celebrate my birthday and <laughs> eat ice cream and brownies. Well, and... and I will say we are prepared. We have studied a little mm-hmm. bit. You already have some ideas, but this is a little different than what we usually do. Oh, you here's forgot to episode. say something. No, here's okay. our episode. So otherwise, yeah, we are going to get started in on um, Matthew's, 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 multiple Matthew's chapter. chapter. Yeah. Matthew chapter 16 through 17, Mark chapter 9. And Luke chapter nine. Our um, our little oh. segment this week yes. is how to do Disneyland right. Oh, no, you're gonna. You know what? In fact, we'd like to announce we're starting a Disneyland, a Disneyland podcast. podcast. Zach's so excited about Disneyland. Don't do Magic Mornings. <laughs> Go to the park that isn't hosting Magic Morning because the first two hours, and you got to get there before the <laughs> gates open. The first two hours from eight to ten are incredible. We walked on like every ride. And... So wait, you're seriously doing a Disneyland podcast? Yeah, that's, that's the problem here. No, no. The actual <laughs> study I wanted to do the the I wanted to report back because I taught. I got a chance to teach our fifth Sunday lesson today in our combined Elders Corn Relief Society, and uh, I was thinking as I was preparing on a couple of the things that we've talked about recently in the podcast, mainly about being a confident teacher and believing in capable learners and that balance between uh, giving learners enough that they feel edified. It's not enough to walk in front of a class and say, okay, everyone open up your scriptures, everyone read, and then just talk about what you're learning because people people want something from their teacher. They want some insight. They want some question. They want some, some, some inspiration. However, it's also not appropriate to walk into class and think, I've got to fill 50 minutes of time with everything that I've discovered. And so as I went into teaching today, um, one of the things, I I have a testimony of this happening on a ward level generally, but specifically with our ward, we have some of the coolest people in our ward. And one thing our ward family does really, really well is in ward, in, in church discussions, They're just really practical, really down-to-earth, realistic people. And I knew that what I wanted to do was uh, share a little bit of something I was passionate about, which I did at the beginning, but I wanted to open it up to to the ward to share practical ideas for how today our, our study was on the new Utah area plan, which if you live in Utah, then maybe you've heard about that already, but we wanted to share practical ideas on how to do this. And I had a couple, but I don't have the court on the market. And 
And, uh, and so I knew that I wanted to spend a significant amount of time um, allowing people to share their ideas for what they've done in their families to help their families follow the Savior more closely, go to the temple, care for the poor and needy, or enable uh, or, or gather scattered Israel through missionary work. And it was awesome. We had like 20, 30 minutes of people giving these really practical ideas. And as they were doing that, there were other people writing, and I could tell they're this is working. People are actually getting real life help for things that they're going to do on their own or with their families. Afterwards, people were coming up to the chalkboard. I'd written everything, tried to write everything everyone had said, and people were taking pictures of the chalkboard of all the ideas that the ward had given. And for me, it was just this awesome learning experience. Um, and so that's maybe just a little feedback on on what we've been talking about. I got to practice it and, and my my experience was awesome. I think when you're in a setting like that, like you experienced, you really can go into that saying, I want to learn from you mm-hmm. and really change that. You can set up the learning atmosphere, but going into it with that real intent of like, I can't wait to ask these people this question. And like I feel sometimes with this podcast, like, wouldn't it be cool to just ask everyone else what they think and hear and learn together because those questions can create a real opportunity for the teacher in a selfish way to say, I can't wait to hear what these people are going to say in response and what their experiences have been either with the scriptures or, you know, with maybe more practical tips like what you were talking about today. In fact, that comes to mind as maybe the label for this tip is be a selfish teacher. And by selfish meaning go in with the desire to learn yourself from the people that you're teaching, Mm -hmm. which means you're going to come up with some really good questions that allow them to share with you the things that they have experienced and they've learned and, and you'll have a great experience. A selfish, humble teacher. There you go. A selfish, <laughs> humble teacher. Okay. Um, our study this week is is some of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. I've probably said that in, in, in episodes past, but um, I love the way particularly that Matthew has structured this. And so we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew's account, even though Mark and Luke also share these stories. They put them in different places. But I love the way that Matthew structures it. Matthew is fascinated in chapter 16 and 17 with what belief or faith or testimony or knowledge is. Pick your word. He's interested in um, what people know about Christ, how they know it about him, and what that knowledge or what that belief or that testimony does. And so what we want to study or what we've thought to ask is um, three questions about And we'll just say testimony, but you could really fill it in with anything. Three questions about belief or three questions about faith or three questions about knowledge. Three questions about testimony. Question one, what testimony isn't? Question two, what testimony is? And question three, what a testimony does? The first question, what a testimony isn't, begins at the very beginning of chapter 16. The Pharisees and the Sadducees come to the Savior, this is verse 1, and they say to him, show us a sign from heaven. In other words, they want him to do something to prove to them that he really is the Messiah that he is claiming to be, which is ironic because the past 15 chapters in Matthew and all the other Gospels, that's all he's been doing is feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000. I think they're looking for something a little bit grander, They expect the Messiah to be this conquering hero, and so they want him to do something that proves that he's this conquering hero. Some of them, I'm sure, just want to trap him and and, uh, and, and, and ensnare him. 
Uh, but that's the request. We want a sign to prove to us that you really are God. And I thought we're really quick to jump at this and say that's wrong. But I thought, you know, that's probably something that we all would want. I want proof that something is or isn't before I believe it. Um, the Savior refers to this in an interesting way. Uh, he says, verse 4, and this is the famous verse, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But then he gives this caution in verse 6. Then Jesus said to them, meaning to the audience around them, Take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in verse 12, he, the, Matthew explains, Then understood they how he bade them not to beware the, or to beware the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I tried to figure out what that means, and as best I can tell, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the principle that they're working on is, show me first, then I will believe. And as I was able to nail that down, I think that's, that's almost a direct quote from the doctrine of the world today. We live in a very scientific world. That is, you prove to me something, you show me something, you give me an experience with something first, and then I will believe. The problem is, that's not at all what belief or testimony or faith or conviction is. And so what a testimony isn't is knowledge based on proof. That um, just isn't what it is. This really makes me think a lot about the miracles as we've been studying them and how, how Christ told so many people, don't go and tell people about this miracle now it wasn't like he hid them because it was mm -hmm. interesting you know sometimes he did very very public miracles especially last week as we're talking about the feeding of the five thousand, right. and there were many people that saw this but then i think maybe they didn't some people didn't even realize what he was doing mm -hmm. you know they don't necessarily know that'd be interesting to to look back on um but as you know that's interesting to think about this wasn't why he was performing the miracle. He wasn't performing the miracle to prove anything to anyone. Um, why do you think that? Why do you think in, in this context, mm -hmm. why do you think he was doing those miracles or maybe telling people not to? Well, I think if the goal is confidence, um, I mean, I've, I've wrestled with this a lot just from, from a scientific perspective. Um, <laughs> I've been through for, for this recent degree that I've, I've been through multiple statistics classes, and each statistics class that I took gave me um, more knowledge about how to do statistics and what facts are and the numbers are and how to run the analyses. Uh, and at the end of each course, I came away more skeptical of the results of statistics than I did at the beginning. I was more trusting mm, yeah. of facts and data at the beginning than I was at the end. So I now have more data, more quote-unquote proof of certain you know X, Y, and Z statements, and I am less convinced that they're true. Um, and so it can't be that more information, more proof equals greater confidence. At least in my experience, it doesn't. Confidence, real confidence doesn't come, at least in my experience, in knowing more about something. My confidence comes in knowing somebody. I'm confident in That's you what I was because say I know the... you. The experiences that you have with someone that say, and I'll even, I'm, I'm thinking of someone as in experiences with God mm -hmm. and with Jesus Christ, because you can build that trust and those experiences 
build that faith with yeah. the spirit. Yeah. You know, you have those experiences with what the spirit is telling you. Well, so that's the second point. So the first point, the first question is what isn't, what a testimony isn't. And it's not knowledge based on truth. And I think sometimes we treat our testimonies that way. When we stand up to bear testimony in a sacrament meeting, we stand up and we start with the phrase, I know that. And we almost make it as if we are, um, we need to, I don't know, state our, our evidence, state our case for why something is true. And that could be a great way to share testimony. And I'm not trying to put any of those down, but um, I don't think that's what a testimony at its core is. I've heard someone once say testimony isn't what we know, it's who we know. I often think we put too much weight into, into that question. Hmm. What a testimony isn't is that perfect knowledge of, of having to know the grander picture in order to say that you know something. I think we've talked about this in past, maybe in the Book of Mormon last year, we talked about this a little bit, was it's okay to stand up and bear testimony to someone and say, I, I hope. I believe. I think. I um, like. Yes. and that I feel passionate about. Maybe we put a little too much weight on our testimony, at least in the cultural church today, to have to stand up and bear testimony that I, I know, know the church is true. Without or, a shadow I of a doubt. Without yeah, a... with every fiber of my being, yeah. <laughs> you know. And those things are okay. You can say that. That's fine. But I think we've kind of got ourselves in a little bit of a twist in saying it's intimidating for people that say, I don't know that, mm -hmm. but you know what? I hope that it's true. Yeah. I want to believe it's true. And I think that's even, even great to get up and say, I really want to believe that this is true. And this is the one small experience I've had. And it's going to, I hope it's yeah. going to grow. Yeah. And I've really experienced that because I tend to have be the doubter and have have a lot of those those doubt feelings creep in a lot a lot of dark times that I felt I don't know what I believe I don't know what I want to believe um, and I can just I can testify to that that those small moments of saying well I do know this and I want to know this and it it builds on what we're going to talk about mm -hmm. next what yeah. a testimony is uh so the second story that Matthew tells right after this, the first one, he illustrates what a testimony isn't. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees who say to you, you have to see something, you have to experience something before you can ever profess confidence in it. Beware that. Then in verse 13, and he's Matthew's careful to point out where they are there in Caesarea Philippi, which is, there's this great stone structure there. So Jesus using the image of a stone in this is deliberate. There's set in, there's the backdrop of these giant stone pillars. And he asks the apostles, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, others Jeremiah's or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now Jesus does something interesting here in verse 17. Blessed, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar-Jonah means Bar is son of, and Jonah meaning John. So, blessed art thou, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. In other words, you're blessed, Simon, because your flesh and blood hasn't proven this unto you. You don't have proof from your parents or from the physical world around you. Um, but my father in heaven 
has revealed it unto you. He's playing on words. Simon, son of John, it wasn't your dad that told you this. It was my father that told you this. And then he tells him, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this rock of receiving a conviction of truth from God in heaven, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to empower you because you get it. A testimony isn't uh, isn't a, a witness based on proof. It's not knowledge based on proof. It is a conviction born to our hearts by the very God in heaven. Um, one of the talks that I've been thinking about as I've been studying this is October 2014, President Uchtdorf, uh, the talk titled Receiving a Testimony of Light and Truth. We'll link it in our show notes and it would be a great read. But in that talk, he talks about... Um, the different tools that we use to gain spiritual or to gain light. A telescope, as telescopes have gotten better and better over the years, we can see further and further into space and we know more. But no matter how incredible a telescope is, it's not the right tool for gaining spiritual light. You can perform as many experiments as you want and you will never ever receive proof that God exists. I often tell my students when they bring up questions about science and religion, you know, science says this, but the Bible says this, which one's right? And I always tell them, well, they're both answering different questions. Science at its core is set up to answer the questions of what and how. What happened and how did it happen? Um, religion, especially scripture, is very actually unconcerned with questions, especially about the how. Uh, scripture is concerned about the who and the why. So take creation, for example. You look at the biblical account of creation. It does not square with the scientific account of creation. Why not? Well, science is focused on the how and the what. What happened? When did it happen? How did it happen? Etc. 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 When that account was written in the Bible, they weren't worried about the time or carbon dating or anything like that. They wanted to show who was creating the world and why the world was being created. I think a testimony falls along those lines too. It is not a science experiment. It's not gathering proof so that I can one day say, I've gathered enough proof now, I know of a surety. It's a spiritual experiment. It's God speaking to our hearts and saying, I'm here and I love you and you can trust me. That's what Peter says back to the Savior. I know this because God told me and Jesus says, that's it. That's what a testimony is. What you're saying reminds me of a quote that I posted on Instagram earlier this month from C.S. Lewis. He says, in science, we have been reading only the notes to a poem. In Christianity, we find the poem itself. Mm. And I think that kind of encapsulates a lot of what you were saying in the what, the how, the why, the who. Um, what are you looking for? You know, mm -hmm. what, what type of evidences, quote unquote evidences are you looking for? Yeah. The third question is, if that's a testimony isn't a science experiment, if it is a spiritual experience where God speaks to us and gives us conviction, the third one is, what does a testimony do? And Matthew answers that question in the next chapter. When Jesus takes the apostles, Peter, James, and John, up the Mount of Transfiguration, and he shows them his own transfigured self, they see Moses, they see Elias, they see this incredible, incredible vision. Notice the Mount of Transfiguration happens after 
Peter professes his conviction that Jesus is the Christ. The pattern is important. First, you believe. Then I will show you everything. Belief first, and then I will show you. Uh, the miracle in chapter 17 um, in healing the, the son, the, the man that brings his son to the Savior. And it's better told in Mark chapter 9 because that's where the father says, you know, Jesus says, do you believe? And the father says, I do help my unbelief. And then Jesus heals uh, the, the son that's brought to him. That miracle happens again after this whole experience with Peter. And I think the subtle and maybe not so subtle indication here from Matthew and these gospel writers is uh, belief first, confidence first. God speaks to you and tells you that he's there and that he can do things. And you express that belief and that confidence in him. And then he provides the vision or the miracle. And sometimes it happens the next day. Sometimes it happens in 10 years. Uh, but that's the pattern that God uses. The world says, show me and then I'll believe. God says, you believe first and then I'll show you anything you want. I really like that and thinking of that pattern in our own lives and how that really does. I think we've talked about that a lot in the, as we've gone through the gospel so far in understanding that that is how God works. That when we show him our interest, our our little hope, our little belief, the more that he gives us in abundance and gives us this, um, that vision, that greater vision of, we've talked a lot about, about who we are, you know, let me show me who I am. I think you can show me greater the belief that you have in me. You know, the mustard seed is the example that I'm thinking of. Um, and I really like this example that you're talking about here of what happened with the apostles. And I think that's really cool to think about your own experiences in your own life, how that maybe has been true, that it's taken you work to get there, maybe overcoming your own doubts about who Christ is and what he does in your life. But what has happened when you've realized that and, and told God that you, you are a believer. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I've listened to a couple of of um, interviews with church members and even some seminary uh, seminary institute teachers uh, that have quote unquote lost their testimony and these interviews and you've maybe seen them too of when did you lose it and how did you lose it and what did you used to believe and when did you really come into the light and why don't you believe now and the thing that bothers me isn't that people you know lose their testimony or have doubts with with their with their faith or testimony because we all have that. The thing that bothers me is that in those interviews we talk about a testimony as if it's something that it's either something you have or something you don't have. Either I have a testimony or I don't have a testimony. Well, if a testimony is just this conviction based on spiritual experience then you don't have it or don't have it. You don't gain it and then lose it. It's this constant thing that's with you. It's your. It's an expression of your conviction in God. Now, it might be stronger or weaker at certain times in our life, and it certainly goes up and down. Our conviction, our trust in our family members and in each other goes up and down on a daily basis. But it's not something you have or something you lose. Um, as I've studied this kind of this week, and as we've talked about, as I've read a couple of these talks, um, I just think there's more to it than I have a testimony, which means I know the church is true. Oh, I lost my testimony, which means I don't know the church is true. I think we need to get to a place where we start talking about, I'm, 
I feel I trust God. I trust him to do this. I trust him to do that. I have conviction in this. I hope that. I believe that. I'm pretty sure about that. I am not so sure about that. And all of that is me. And it's all growing and it's flexing and it's moving and it's shaping. But but it's not something I have or don't have. Yeah. I think that can be really healthy for for your own belief system or as you're maybe discovering or rediscovering your testimony or your faith. Um, even how Zachy mentioned this at the beginning, the, the words that you put to this, you know, what is a testimony? What isn't a testimony? Putting that into what is faith? What is knowledge? What is, um, what are, what, what is your testimony? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I already said that, but really feeling kind of that, that fluid motion of what a testimony can be that it's okay if it, if it's lesser one day and, and more strong another day, because that's all a part of the growing process of finding, finding your belief and making these experiences with God that can bring you to a place where you can say that you believe and that, you know, we had someone comment a little while ago about us maybe not sharing enough formal testimonies. Um, and although we feel like we're probably sharing too much of our testimony through this podcast or we have the opportunity to do so, we thought this would be a pro- an appropriate episode to maybe share just a little um, quick testimony of, of what we believe. And for me, as we talk about what a testimony is, what it isn't, I think for me... Um, I mentioned before that I have, I am much more of a, of a doubter, of a questioner, of a person who really has to go through the ringer with my testimony in a lot of ways and with my faith. I've really come to see my testimony in a very fluid, um, moving piece in my life. And I've come to really like that. I've come to know that as I work with God, and as I put my trust in who he is and how he works in my life, that the experiences that I create with Jesus Christ and what he has done for me um, makes my faith grow. So although I've definitely seen the valleys, um, I've seen a lot of peaks too, and I love to look back on how I've grown in my faith to see that God is a loving father and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that is where my testimony always comes back to when I'm having a hard time. And I'm just so grateful um, for prophets today that lead me and guide me. And I love what they teach me about who Jesus Christ is and who God is. You mentioned the word trust. And I think my testimony centers around that word in, in who I trust one of my favorite quotes from a book is from the Ender's Game series where Ender's struggling with this idea, uh, the main character struggling with this idea of feeling like he's always been controlled his whole life. Someone's always controlling me. And his older sister tells him, well, welcome to humanity. Someone's always controlling you. Your actions are always based on what other people tell you to do. Uh, what you do isn't try to seek independence from everybody. It's to find the people you trust that have your best, your best concerns in mind, that love you the most, and follow what they say. That's my experience. I trust God. Everything he has told me to do, whether it is through scripture, through direct thoughts and impressions that have come to me, or through the words of prophets and apostles, everything he has told me to do has made my life happier, 
more peaceful. It's made my family better, everything. I love General Conference. I love Prophets and Apostles because I, I really do believe that they are inspired, that they speak the words of God. And again, I trust them. If they tell me to do something, I do it because it works. It works for me. And so my testimony is all based on trust. I trust God. I trust Jesus. I trust prophets and apostles. I trust the scriptures. I trust prayer. Um, I trust family. Um, I trust that there's a heaven that's, that's filled with people that love us and care about us and are actively involved in working and helping us. That's my, that's my testimony. That's my trust. Thank you for studying with us this week. What a wonderful study to carry us through General Conference Weekend. We hope that you have a wonderful weekend with your family and are looking forward to what we get to learn together there as we learn from our prophets and apostles. And as we end, um, I'm just grateful for all of you who are following us on Instagram and really creating a fun community there where we get to share a little more about what we talk about here on the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the scripture study project. Yeah, that's it at the scripture study project. So find us there. Um, I'm loving that we're able to share a little more and create kind of a community in that space right now. So find us there. We would love to have you and we hope you have a great week. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Thank you.